Praise God. I want to direct your attention to the word of the Lord. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Acts, chapter number 7. Now, we have a new sound man, so I'm going to go real easy on him. But um, test one, two, three. Can I get a little bit more monitor, please? Just maybe a little bit more. Test, test. Beautiful. That's too much. Hallelujah. Appreciate Brother Kyle Gazande so much. In Jesus' name. All right. We're in the book of Acts, chapter number seven. And we're going to go to verse number two. And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And God said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran and from thence when his father was dead. He removed him into his land wherein ye now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised, talking about God, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, we know the story like the back of our hands. I know you do. But probably a good portion of you were unaware that it's found in Acts chapter number 7. There are some nuances to this story that are revealed here in Acts 7 that we're going to talk about that are not revealed in Genesis chapter 11 and 12. Now, the book of Galatians chapter 6 and one verse of Scripture, verse number 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now, there's something in this for everybody here today. But God has just been working me over on this. And I am here to address specific needs, circumstances, situations in more than a few lives here this morning. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to talk to us about when the promises of God become a burden. 
When the promises of God become a burden. Would you put your Bibles down? And one more time, I know we praise the name of the Lord a bunch here this morning. We've magnified his name. But I want us to pray that the word of God would give specificity. You know, that's what the anointing does. The anointing of the Holy Ghost gives specificity. It takes it from being just words on a page and some general message to the body. And it gives it specificity and application. We ask by the authority of the name of Jesus that the word of God be a strength, be a mile marker, give direction and give hope. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's good to have Sister Don Maurice with us. It's good to have Sister Dawn Bowling with us. In Jesus' name, God bless both of them and uh, it's good to have uh, Rick Rodriguez with us in Jesus name yes and if I if I didn't mention your name please forgive me my attention span is getting shorter and shorter um, and sometimes I just I miss a few things so we're glad you're here if I missed you and I didn't do that intentionally. All right. When the promises of God, there's another way for me to phrase this this morning, and it's bearing the promises of God or bearing the burden. Of course, the word burden um, is talking about something, a weight. More often than not, it can be grievous. It becomes grievous. Something that becomes um, a weight, an impediment, if you please, that must be carried. And the Bible tells us that every man shall bear or carry his own burden. This is an unusual place to talk about Abraham. Those of you that are students of the word of God, you know that here in Acts chapter number seven, we're looking at the famous um, preaching of Stephen prior to his being rejected and then ultimately stoned by those that should have found a place of repentance um, but instead of being convicted, they felt condemned and they lashed out with anger and took his life. There are many places in the New Testament where you can go to see scriptures that have already been recorded in the Old Testament and discover nuances that are revealed in the New Testament that were not detailed in the Old Testament, most notably some of the phraseology and some of the facts that are revealed in Hebrews chapter number 11, which is the great chapter of the hall of faith of the Old Testament. It tells us that even Samson was recorded in the hall of faith. Rahab, the harlot, is found uh, in this place. And there are nuances and details 
that are not covered but are revealed to us in the New Testament. One that is notable to me is found here in Acts chapter number 7. And it is here, if you would go back to that, we'll look at that here for a moment. In our text, Acts chapter number 7, you will see that he begins his message by saying this in verse number two, and he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken the God of glory, appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. That is, that sticks out like a mountain peak um, over a curtain of fog to me. Because when you study out the Genesis account, most notably in chapter number 11, but also in chapter number 12, you will see no mention of Mesopotamia. There are other geographical names that are used that would definitely give detail, but the fact that he uses the word Mesopotamia and he makes the statement that God revealed himself unto Abram while he was in Mesopotamia. Now that's important to me because that is not found in the Genesis account. We do see that Abram moved with his family. We see that his older brother passed away. We see that his father passed away. We, we see other details that are there, but we do not see where God revealed himself to Abram in Mesopotamia. I want to stop long enough just to say that I really believe in the 21st century, in the year 2022, that God is revealing himself to a degree to people that are in this world. I understand your response. God spoke to me when I was on a concert stage. And whether it was God or an angel, I do not know. But that started my journey. That started Rick Mayo's journey out of the world and into the kingdom of God. Of course, I didn't know it at the time. I couldn't even tell you what was going on at the time in a lot of ways because of where I was in life. But I want to tell you that the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep in darkness. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God moves in darkness. And he will speak to people whether it's... Hallelujah. I could go on with that because there's a lot in the Bible that affirms that. But I, I just... To me, that's a staggering, notable piece of information that God revealed himself to Abram while he was still in Mesopotamia. But what we see here in Genesis chapter number 12, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time there, is we see what is known as the Genesis account with the father of the faithful. Now, Abram is notable in that he is the most prolific and the most important Old Testament figure in the New Testament. Right on his heels is David. And then behind him is Moses. 
But Abram and the characteristics of Abraham were the characteristics that God wanted in us, that we are be, to be the children of faithful Abraham. And we were, are to have the same degree of faith that Abra, Abraham had. Very important stuff. And I know that we're living in an age where everybody has a need and everybody needs a touch and everybody needs God to do something for them. But I want to tell you, it's still teaching and, and the founding of biblical truths in your life that bring the great blessings to your life. Somebody give me an amen right now. I appreciate, I know evangelism, there's signs and wonders and miracles, and I believe in all of that. And I believe that God is doing all those things. But I believe that there is a great need, a dearth in the land for great Bible teaching on which the things of God can be built upon in your life. In fact, the more that you will study the Word of God and the more that you will comprehend what God is doing and has done, the more unlikely you are to backslide. I really believe that. Once you understand really what we're a part of, that there really is a God and there really is a devil and the devil is a fallen angel, and God created this world, this little ball of mud that's spinning around. And him and mankind were to rule and reign and to establish dominion. But that fallen angel is after the chiefest of God's creations, which is you and I. You have to understand that your life means something. You have to understand that everything you say means something. Everything you do means something. Everything you think means something. Every action, every choice, it means something. It's a big deal. And so when we look at Genesis Chapter number 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. It is an invitation into the unknown. We cannot understand or understate the significance and the importance of people grasping and understanding the journey into the unknown. We are all creatures of habit. We, we want predictability. We want things on demand. We want things to be convenient. We want things to be nice. We want things on and on and yada, yada, yada. This is one of the reasons why people have a difficulty with, with, with true living for God because it's, it's going to lead them into some, some things they're not familiar with. 
And one of the reasons why people go back to drugs and go back to compulsive behavior is not because they like it. They hate the shame. They hate the condemnation. But it is the, it is the predictability. They're familiar with predictability. And that becomes more comforting than walking in the unknown. But I'm going to tell you, if you're really going to live for God and you're really going to be what God wants you to be, you are going to be a pilgrim and a sojourner and you're going to have to understand you are in the unknown right now. You cannot escape it. I cannot escape it. It's not, it's not something that I can just wake up one day and say, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore, and I, uh, I, don't, want, I don't want this. I'll go, I'll go to something else that has a different program and a different spin on the Word of God. You can't get away from that. That is the plan of God that you and I are going to venture into the unknown. Hallelujah. Don't look so excited about that. But this is, this is the primal statement on which Abram's exodus is built on. This, this phrase here of verse 1 and 2. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Everything that's familiar. Your mommy and daddy. Your homies. You know, back at the crib. Now, you don't understand that unless you're from Southern California. You know, your home dogs. You're going to have to get away. In fact, there's more loaded into this. There's so many nuances and so much more. Abram, because his older brother had already passed away, Abram is now in line to receive an inheritance. And God is saying, I want you to forget about that inheritance. Forget about your family's business and your family's occupation. I've got something else for you. So his, his, his motive and his movement and his momentum is not based on the familiar and the predictable. It's solely based on the promise of God. Now, what I liked about in Acts chapter 7, verse number 3, I believe it was, where it said that God said that he would not give him an inheritance, talking about back there, but that God was going to give him a promise. Everybody said promise. And this continues. Look at verse number two. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I thought I was preaching a little better than that. So let me get this straight. You're asking Abram to leave everything that's familiar everybody that's familiar and everybody that he cares about. And you're telling him that you're going to lead him to a place he's never been before and you're going to make of him a great nation. Right? The only problem is he has no children. Now, that may not make a pretty big splash in your world. 
but that is a big splash. And so Abram prepares himself. He says his goodbyes. He hugs his mom. That was probably a, a tearful deal, very emotional, saying goodbye to his family. Abram had no clue where he was going, but God had already revealed himself to Abram. And that is critical to this story because you have to have some God to get where God wants to take you. Through the years, I've had people say, well, Pastor, I believe God wants me to do this, and God wants me to do that. God wants me to do this. And I said, well, has God revealed that to you? And they said, no. They, they wanted to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that it needs to align with what God wants you to do. Because if it's God that's sending you, God will prepare you. In fact, God will not only prepare you to make the journey into the unknown, God will prepare the unknown ready for your journey. When God spoke to my wife and I to come to Spokane, Washington, were we nervous? Yes. Were we afraid? <clears throat> yes. Did you have a lot of resources? No. And I will never forget that we spent the night in Grants Pass, Oregon, on our way up here, and the Holy Ghost speaking to me in Grants Pass, Oregon, said, hurry, hurry, hurry up and get there. There's people waiting on you there. Hurry up and get there. Hurry up and get there. Hurry up and get there. And our first church service, there was, there was only standing room only with an entire, there was probably five people that weren't part of this family that was there, and the man that they had brought there, it was. It was standing room only, our very first service, and God not only healed a man, our first service, but he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. And before it was all over, we baptized 20, 25 of his family members, and there was great revival. And then it all went away, but that's another story. But this is critical to our understanding. You know, we hear about Abraham. Oh, yeah, Father Abraham. Oh, I love him. Oh, Father Abraham. We hear all these stories, and, and they're wonderful stories, and we have a tendency to romanticize biblical figures and almost begin to paint a picture that's not even realistic of them because there's, there's far more humanistic realities that are attached to biblical figures than sometimes we're willing to admit. But we need that because we need that in the real world. I need that in my life. I need to know that people are just like me and that if they, if, if they, if they got forgiven, then I can get forgiven. If they can get up and keep going, then I can get up and keep going. And, and if they're, if they're going to obtain the promise, then I can, somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. We don't need some kind of fancy, shiny kind of a church. No, you need to know. People messed up. People needed to pray. People found an altar. The blood is red. Forgiveness is real. The most staggering part of this story, in my opinion, 
is the fact it's in verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot was with him, and Abram was 75 years old. I've heard this particular passage of Scripture ministered many, many times. I've preached and taught on this particular passage of Scripture many, many times. But it wasn't until recently that I began to review this with something that I felt like God gave me. And so I'm sharing that with you this morning. God wanted us to know, hey, he was 75. Okay. Is there anybody 75 here today? Go ahead and lift your hand if you're 75 or older. One, two, three, four. Come on, man. Old guys rule. Get your hand up. Thank you. One, two, three, four. God bless you. I love the fact this is a multi-generational church. Multi-generational. Multi-culture, multi-generational. Multi-vitamins. Everything is multi, except there's only one God, one gospel, one doctrine. I'm into the multi stuff, but let's be clear. There's only one God. It's only one gospel. So it's not, this is not like an addendum. This is like right up front with everything else. You know, Abram obeyed. He did what God told him to do. And he's 75. That's, that's got to mean something. That's just more than just... You, God doesn't waste words. God's not one to just yak like some family member, go on and on to where you're holding the phone way out here. I remember somebody called me one time, and they just wanted to talk about other people, and I don't want to talk about other people. Let's, you know, some people want to talk about other people. Some people want to talk about things. I want to hook up with people and want to talk about God. Let's talk about what God's doing. Let's talk about what God wants to do with you, what God wants to do with me, what God wants to do with us. All right. They called, and they started yakking, and I just put the phone way out here, and I was doing something well over here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, went on and on and on. And when I put my phone up, they were still going. They didn't even know I was gone. God doesn't waste his words. And he was 75 years old. I'm going to show you unequivocally, undeniably, that that plays a preeminent role in the story of Abraham. You're thinking, no, Pastor, people live to be 900 years old. Yeah, that's Methuselah. We're way down the road from Methuselah. Abraham's father lived to be over 200 years of age, but physically there were things that took the toll on the human body far, far, far before that, as we will see. But this plays a critical role because he's not there yet. 
But as we shall see, he's going to reach the place where if God's going to do this promise, we better, we, something's got to happen. You know, they didn't have all this modern, modern drugs and don't make me get specific. Here's a guy that's 75 years old that's just been given a promise that you're going to be the father of many nations. Now, if he was 20 or 18 or like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was 14, we'd say, you know, he's, he's got a long life ahead of him. You know, he, Immediately, before we even get out of Genesis chapter number 12, God is continuing to rehearse this promise. Look at Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So God is still talking about this promise. This is a promise that got him out of the familiar and now it's a promise that God is sustaining him in the unknown. Abraham is 75. His wife is 10 years younger. She is 65. And they are in, well into this journey now. But there's a famine in the land. And when there's a famine in the land, everybody runs to Egypt. And make no mistake about it, God uses pestilence and famine to posture and position his people biblically. So Abram, you know the story, he goes into Egypt. He says, you know, you're, you're gorgeous. And just for a little while, you're going to be my sister, which wasn't 100% lie, but it was enough because she was his wife. That needed to be the preeminent way of disclosing her identity because she was beautiful to look upon. You understand that story. Um, everybody in Egypt, all the guys in Egypt said, Wow. The Pharaoh took one look at her. It was, wow. When I first saw my wife, I said, wow. She's shaking her. I'm still saying, wow, for different reasons. I'm, <laughs> I'm just having fun. Did she not sing today? She's gorgeous. She's godly. She's spiritual. It's just, Wow. So he's 75, she's 65, Lot's tagging along. Brother Kifley did a beautiful job of revealing that Lot should have stayed home. But here he is. It's like a, you know, it's like a three-legged dog. Doesn't walk quite right. So they have an impediment already. They've got Lot with them. And um, here they are. And so God is continuing to remind Abram about this promise. Okay? And it's like Abram saying, okay, when's it going to happen? Okay, I've got this promise. I left everything that's familiar. I actually left a good livelihood, occupation, if you please. Friends, family, everybody that came out of Mesopotamia. I left all that. Where is it? 
Where's this, where's this nation? Let's just start with one. See, God starts with the macro. God starts with the big picture. It's called macro. But really, we just needed one. And he continues to portray and present the macro. Look at Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 16. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. What's he doing to a 75-year-old man? By now, probably he's a little older than that. How much dust is there in the earth? I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. How about just one? There's going to be a great church in Spokane. How about just one? God knows exactly what he's doing. You're going to see God knows exactly what he's doing in this. Okay, Genesis chapter 13, verse 16. Look at Genesis 15 and verse number 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Okay, we're talking macro. Look at the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. Now it's, 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 it was the dust of the earth, which is of the earth earthy, but now it's also going to be the supernatural. Anytime God revealed the stars, unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even Joseph. Come on, somebody. Joseph's dream, that is talking about supernatural. It involves the supernatural, the miraculous. Some biblical expositors have said that when you get as far as, as Genesis chapter 15, that it's not just talking about the nation of Israel, which was from the earth, but it's also talking about the church of the living God, which is regenerated. So he will be the father of the faithful, not only in the Old Testament, he will be the father of the faithful in the New Testament, which is absolutely true. But at this point, God is continuing to rehearse to him. And now God's saying, if you can count the stars, that's how many, that's how many your progeny is going to be. That's how many your children is going to be. That's how big this nation is going to be. But he doesn't even have a child. And so the promise of God, were sandal-clad feet that were once so steady and so sure. I can just kind of see them under their breath. And we know that they did things under their breath because when it finally did came, both Abraham laughed and his wife laughed under their breath. Oh, yeah. Man, how long are we going to walk? How far are we going to go? How far are we going to go into the unknown before we see just one, one kid, one child? The promise started to assume its own weight. And it's like, man, I was all in on this. 
build a nation stuff and God's going to build a church and God's going to open doors. And this is going to happen. That's going to happen. I thought you, God never spoke to Abraham until one time when she was behind the tent flap. Sarah's, Sarah's one of the heroes of the Old Testament because she followed her husband who was hearing from God. But I can just, under, I can just read Sarah's thoughts right now if I could. I thought you said God was going to build a nation. I thought God, now, and young people, you need, to, you, need to, you need to clue on this. This is where young people start making mistakes. I thought you said God was going to bring a husband. I thought, I thought God said you were going to be married by this time next year. And I thought God said this, and I thought God said that. And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, when that promise starts becoming a burden, oh, brother. I don't even know if I want to believe this anymore. I don't even know if it's going to come to pass. God, I love you. I trust you. Sarah comes up with the bright idea. Hey, you know, we we got some slaves that were given to us that are from Egypt. One of them looks pretty healthy. Uh, you're, don't, don't talk as one of the foolish ladies. So they shelved the idea. They just kept walking day after day and week after week and days turned into week and the hair was just once as black as a raven's wing but now became streaked with gray. And Sarah brought the subject up again. We got this Hagar... Abraham began to reevaluate. Maybe God's forgotten. The promise seems so. We got redemptive lift from it. It was exciting. It was powerful. It was wonderful. But now it's the day to day walking in the unknown. Same old, same old. In Canaan land. New ground under the sole of our feet. For some generation, I don't even know who they are. Just God said it's in the future. They're going to possess us. So I, I just got to keep walking. I thought God was going to do something. I thought God was going to come through. I thought, finally, Hagar says, maybe we can make it happen. Young person, you cannot afford to take matters in your own hands. You know what the problem is? I'm going to tell you what the problem is. There is no patience in this generation. They will not wait on God. Social media has done nothing but increase the problems. Everybody else is enjoying. Everybody else is having the good life. Everybody else, everybody else looks good. Everybody else, it's a, it's a picture. And it prompts people to do stupid things. To pursue the superficial over the real. To pursue the imitation instead of truth. To become involved in something that has roots in Egypt. Let's lift our hands.
And let's just pray right now. When the promise of God becomes a burden, it's heavy. My steps are not near as sure as they, as they used to be, not near as broad and wide. My gait has changed. The cadence of my steps has changed. So approximately at the year, Abram was 89 or 90 years old, approximately, when Ishmael was born. Oh, Ishmael lived forever! I really believe that he had living a life standing in front of him that in everything in him he thought this is it this is the promise this is the promise and he did his best to live with it he did his best to make somebody that was half Egyptian Some of you that get ahead of God. Well, Pastor, I just got to have it. I just got to make it happen. You go ahead and take matters in your own hands. The whole turmoil of the end times is rooted in the sons of Abraham. All of the friction and the fighting that exists in the Holy Land can be rooted out to Abram's mistake and Abraham's promise. Well, Pastor, we're, no, we're, we're not going to wait on God. We're not even going to wait on the Pastor. We're just going to go and do what we need to do, and we're going to try to make it happen. You go ahead and do that. But when, for the rest of your life, you live with a certain degree of warfare that could have been avoided. Is this okay this morning? You know, there's some people under the sound of my voice. I don't, I don't even know who it is I'm preaching here. I'm just, I'm just telling you, there's, there's somebody that God spoke a promise to you, and, 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 and it's become a weight to you. It's become like, 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 like I, I, I don't want to wait any longer. I want to try to make this happen. You go ahead and do that, and you're going to live a life of regret. I'm telling you that Abraham did his best to pretty Ishmael up. Until in Genesis chapter number 18. Until this time, Abraham 
The Bible doesn't declare it, but maybe somewhere in his heart he said, you know, I'm not really 100% sure because, you know, this Hagar's an Egyptian. I mean, I just don't know. Is that going to be a big deal to God? I mean, I just, I, you know, Ishmael's here. He looks healthy. Look at him. He's my son. He's here. Uh, it's every, you know, this is it. This is the promise. Until Genesis chapter number 18, he gets a rude awakening. Mistakes do not disqualify you from being used of God. Your failures will not disqualify you from being used of God. Do you believe that? I'll tell you what we're trying to do here. We're trying to raise up a culture of people that are genuinely living for God. Not just, I, I, I understand coming to church and everybody looks good, everybody smells good. Everybody chose this article of clothing over that one. I mean, there was selection involved. We're, you know, I want to wear my best, going to the house of God. I've always, I've, I was spiritually raised that way. I've spiritually raised you. But, but I'm talking about when nobody's looking. I'm talking about decisions and choices and motives and how you really live. That which takes place in the tent. Well, pastor, I've got, I've got my own reason. And when, and when people are pressed, here it comes. You know what, pastor, I just really don't believe that anymore. And you know what, pastor, I just don't know this anymore. And you know, pastor, I just, I just, I, I ought to be happy. I've got a right to be happy uh, at the pursuit of happiness. And I, I should be this way. Not if you're really God's child and not if you're living by a promise and not if God already called you out. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's a confidence that comes. It says, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. Every day, although his steps might have got a little shorter and, 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 and he was weaker now, he still knew God is God and his word is everything to me. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I'm trying to encourage somebody here today. Just carry the promise of God with dignity and don't capitulate to the sins of the flesh and the voices of this world. People just don't think about outcomes anymore. It's all, I got to have, I, I want it now. I want it now. I want happiness now. I want, I want to fornicate now. I want, I want, I want what I want now. Right now is the enemy of future blessing. And good is the enemy of the best. Microsoft conducted a recent study on the attention span of over 2,000 people. 
And they found recently that the attention span is eight seconds of people that have smartphones, have the internet, intelligent people. And it's down from 12 seconds, that was the average in the year 2000. The attention span is decreasing, according to Microsoft, 88% every year, 40% that use the internet regularly will totally abandon their present search if it takes any longer than three seconds to load. And then you've got that people that come into the house of God. And we are to model our lives after Abraham. Where it's not right here, right now. It's not think it and claim it and name it and get it. No, it's like, God, I'm on this journey with you. And wherever you lead me, I've got children coming behind me. I've got grandchildren coming behind me. It's not about us. It's not about I need somebody to get in the Holy Ghost with me. You need to recognize, if it's just about you, your children are going to pay the price. Your children are going to pay the price. Ishmael. Luke chapter 21 and verse number 19. Please bring that up. Let's all read that together. In your patience, possess ye your souls. It takes patience. Patience is the first fruit of the Spirit. Because you ain't going to get nothing else until, until you learn to train your flesh. It ain't what I want. It's what he wants. Well, Pastor, we've made up our mind. We're going to do it this way. You go ahead and do it your way. But don't, don't come to me and say that life is cheery and life is great because I'm already telling, I'm prophesying to you that life is not cheery and life is not great. But when you do it God's way, his blessing is right on time. His, oh, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. You can take matters in your own hands, but I'm telling you there's a better way. If you'll get in the Holy Ghost, there's a better way. If you'll get in the Word of God, there's a better way. If you'll get in the things of God, there's a greater way. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. God knows. God knows. God knows. God knows. God knows. In the most difficult generation in the history of the human race, you've got to have patience. Or you ain't going to make it. Number one reason why people backslide. They ain't got no patience. I know, I know that's what it says, Pastor. But you know, I don't really have much of a prayer life. And if you don't have a prayer life, you're never going to enjoy what's in that Bible. Because it takes time to wrestle that old carnal nature down. It takes time to begin to plant that seed and water it and nurture it with tears and consecration and dedication and faithfulness to the things of God before you begin to see any fruit. Well, I need my touch. I need to know God loves me. God does love you. But if, you're 30 year, if you've been around here for 25, 30 years and you still need a rattle and a diaper change, you're well beyond where we need to be here today. Where we need to be is say, you know what? I need to pray through and I need to let my nature know. No, I'm going to heaven. I'm just passing through. And I'm going to play this according to the rules. And I want a crown. And I want a robe. Somebody clap your hands and lift your voice. You may have made your mistakes. You may have had your struggles. You may have to see Ishmael for a few days. But God's got a better promise. 
Clap your hands and give God the praise. Most people only pray until they feel God. Let me help you with that. Once you start feeling God, that's not God's approval of where you are. That's God's encouragement to come further. When God, the only way that God could ever get this man, Abram, to leave his family and leave the familiar and leave an inheritance and leave a business and leave families and, and, and leave his progeny is, 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 is he, had to have, he had to have a promise and he had to have a God behind that promise. He had to have a God that he had, it had already become a revelation to Abram that this is not deity from Mesopotamia and this is not deity from Egypt. This is not some Hollywood movie star that I follow more than the word of God. This is not some rap artist that I listen to more than preaching. This is not some flamboyant artist that's in our world. It's a God that's going to get me out of here. It's a God that's called me his own. It's a God that saved me with the washing of regeneration. Clap your hands and give God the praise. But we got all these snide little sarcastic excuses why it didn't work the first time and why it ain't going to work the second time. And if we're not careful, we'll talk ourselves right out of a blessing. Man, I was ADD, ADHD, because I'd done too much LSD driving an LTD. Because I was DDD. And I barely learned my ABCs. And so the first thing that God had to do with this pastor was he had to get me to stay put. And sometimes some of the trials that people go through, that people moan and groan, is not God trying to hurt you. That's God trying to slow you down so that you can get to know one another. God's saying, if I don't, if I don't take the time to do this, I'm going to lose this season in a, in a person's life. And that season is very important that you don't run around and keep running over here and run over there. You're going to miss the promise. If you'll stay put and say, I'm waiting on God. Because once you get that patience, once that fruit of patience is established, all the other fruits of temperance and love and brotherly kindness and joy in the Holy Ghost. It becomes yours, but it takes time. It takes patience. Oftentimes, a lot of the role that a pastor plays is nothing more to do the cleanup in people's lives that are just simply impatient. I got to have it, and I got to have it right now, and I got to have it when I want it. Dude, you don't understand. That, made oper that might operate in the world out there, but that don't operate in this world in here. This is a completely different world. There's a new time zone. It's called Kairos. It's God time. And once you fall in love with Jesus and you've resigned from the impulses of your flesh, God can get down to business 
And now Abraham is not some figure for a Sunday school Bible study. But Abram and I, I can identify with Abram. I can identify. Why did God call him when he was 75? Because God wanted it to be known. I'm going to get it to the place that he can't do it. And now they're old. And Go to that scripture in Genesis 18, please. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be the man with Sarah after the manner of women. She was beyond, physically, beyond the human capability of reproducing. Now you know why God didn't call him when he was 30 or 40 or 50, because God wanted to get the message to you and I that you might carry that promise. For 25 years, I thought God was going to do it, Pastor. Listen, if God said it, you just drive that stake farther than the devil can influence you and farther than your flesh can influence you and farther of all the bad advice other people are giving you and you anchor yourself in the word of God. And when that angel finally showed up, Abraham laughed, Sarah laughed. I can't do it. I'm physically unable to produce. Sarah laughed and she said, am I gonna, how am I gonna do this again? But God, but God, but God, but God. This is what I'm talking about. You say, no, 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 that's, that's, that's PhD spirituality. No, this is 101. This is Abraham. This is the father of the faithful. All of us are pilgrims and sojourners, are aliens in this world. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm preaching to a bunch of people right now. You've already cast in thinking you're going to be happy. I'm here to tell you, you can't live with Ishmael and be happy. Patience. Patience. I remember we had a we had a guy come to this church. He was likable. He's funny. He came to me one time. He said, Pastor, I gave God one week to get me a girlfriend. Now, if I don't have a girlfriend by the end of the week, I'm out of here. I said, you ought to just go ahead and leave today. Because if that girlfriend don't get him, that's, Pastor, I need a new job. And if God don't get me a job, then I'm going to go back to drive. You, you probably should start looking at marijuana dispensaries. You ain't going to put God in a box. You ain't going to back up and say, God, if I don't have a girlfriend, I'm out of here in a week. God's saying, get in this altar and let me get that out of your spirit. Get in this altar and let me get your crazy thoughts. What people don't understand is, you ain't ready for that girlfriend. Well, Pastor, I want a real good girl. You know, one of them church-raised ones. Okay, how long you been here? Well, when I show up, if you added them all up, you ain't ready for a godly, separated, apostolic, born child of God. 
The first minute you go through a trial and you need to work through your marriage, they're back on a bar stool at Joe's Bar and Grill, and she's using profanity that would make a sailor blind. Don't tell me you're ready. Could it be that God knows what's best? And if we just be patient, we'll rise with the wings of an eagle and we'll soar on the currents of God's blessing because we waited on somebody clap. You ain't ready for the real blessing. You're, you're one of those push by, I got to have it now. I've got to have my flesh wants it now. I got to have it now. And it ain't never going to happen. Carrying the burden of promise. Why are these angels visiting us? Isn't Ishmael good enough? God didn't even recognize Ishmael. But the biggest factor that I wanted to point out, God waited till it was far beyond human capability to produce a child. Sand to the seashore. Stars of the sky, a blessing to all people, to all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God waited over 25 years to bring one child. Let's lift our hands. This is the spinal column of the Old Testament. His name is Abraham. I'm preaching to the most fickle, impulsive, compulsive generation in the history of the human race. I'm going to show you how that the promise is directly tied to patience. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, please. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and, and, everybody please, and inherit Well, God's good. Both got jobs, got a nice place to live, got a nice car. But you really watch God start to work. And Pastor, we lost our jobs. We're about to get evicted. My baby's sick. My wife's sick. My husband's sick. I thought God loved us. How can God give you a miracle if the world that you've created is so perfect? How can God ever process us if the world that we have created is so perfect and free of pain and free of sacrifice and free of producing fruit, and free of drawing close to God? But could it be that God uses those moments that we are drawn to his presence where he says, 
You're going to get a new job. You're going to get a new home. You're going to get a new car. I'm going to elevate you a couple notches. And you hang on to that promise. And when the devil tries to say the eviction's coming, you said, no, 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 no. God told me otherwise. No, 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 no. God told me otherwise. And you keep going up and up. And after that set of promises is fulfilled, God's got another promise. And then God's got an Isaac. And then God's got a Jacob. And then God's got 12 tribes. And then God's got a Joseph. And God's got a Manasseh. And God's got an Ephraim. Come on, somebody. And now his people have taken over the world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. But you're going to have to be patient and realize that the promises of God are yea and amen. Beyond the impulse and the carnal mindedness of fickleness that governs our world. I remember I still got a, my very first Bible was given to me by a friend of mine named Steve Malone. Brother Steve Malone, pastors in Bellevue, Washington. He, was, he had been in the church for two or three years before, before I got saved, and he gave me a Bible. And that Bible is very precious to me. I wouldn't sell that Bible for a zillion dollars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that Bible for Elon Musk and a ride to Mars. I still got the date of the prayer meeting. It was in February of 1988. And Brother David, on the inside cover of that Bible, God spoke to me. And I wrote on the inside cover of that Bible that God had called me to be an evangelist. Hadn't talked to the pastor about it yet. I hadn't talked to anybody about it. It was in prayer. But it was mine. God gave it to me. Right around 1990, my pastor got up on a Wednesday night. He said, Rick Mayo, God just spoke to me. He said, you're supposed to start evangelizing. I'm not some sharp online speaker that has a wall of degrees. 
But what I'm preaching to you today, I have lived. And if you're not living by a promise from God, you're robbing yourself. Whether it's having a backslider come home, a family member get saved, some incredible door open, some magnificent thing that God wants to make you a part of that sets your direction where you and God start hanging on together. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. Because God, in the space of two years, I went through trials and tribulations where I saw backslide after backslide after backslide after backslide. And I could have backslidden myself. But I'm hanging on to a promise that's from another world. And once God got me out evangelizing, God said, now that we got him out here, Let's move him to Spokane. It's impossible to acquire the promises without patience. Let's go to that scripture in Hebrews 10. I'm almost, I'm closing. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, after you have done the will of God, after you have done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. Pastor, living for God's unpredictable. Yes. Pastor, it's in the unknown. Yes. Many of the struggles, I've already mentioned this, but many of the struggles of new converts is not that they really love sin, but they love predictability. And they have to go back to something, man, I'm smoking these things and I hate them, but you know what? It's just, it's just there. It's predictable. They know it's... If you can flick that cigarette, if you can get your situation and say, you know what, I'm going to get out there and believe God for this promise. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to talk to everybody about it and have them give them an opportunity to talk me out of it. It's between me and my God. When you receive the promise, you'll go to the next level the next level, the next level. Let's lift our hands. And let's talk to Jesus here today. Somebody needs to get off of a dating site. There's a couple here today that needs to, that needs just 
just, you just need to get married. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, God spoke to me today. You need to get married now. Is this church ready for the supernatural? I have seen the supernatural in operation since we moved into this building like I have never seen it before. God is speaking and God is moving in a un Why? Because we want the book of Acts. We want the promises that God has for us and they are filled with the supernatural. But that means that there's going to be some changes and some adjustments to fit the supernatural. There's people here today under the sound of my voice you need to make the adjustments and let God give you something that will blow your mind. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands. And let's give the God of glory all praise and all honor. You're going to bear your own burden. You're going to have to carry your promise. It's going to become heavy. But that's what, that's what puts us in alignment with Abraham. We're the only one that can fulfill this. Is God. Come on, let's lift our voices. Let's pray. All over this building. Some of you should feel encouraged that you're on the right track and it's going to come to pass and God notices these things and God understands and God sees the, the, the way that you take and God is going to bring it to pass. Brother Jordan, would you come give us some background music? This altar is open. You that are under the sound of my voice, you know exactly what was being preached here today. And God is here. God is here. Come. Come. Let's find a place to pray. Let's all come to the altar today. Come on. There's something in the spirit and something in this environment for everybody today. Come on. God, I'm going to wait as long as it takes. But that promise is mine. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to bear it. I'm going to take it to its completion. I'm going to see it through with God.